When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back. Uh, So I have a a few different topics I want to discuss today, but I want to start off with the, uh, well, early in the week price action that we've seen already. I'm recording this uh, Monday morning. Uh, As I speak, 36 minutes to market open here in the United States. And, And already in the, you know, relatively thinly traded markets overnight, you know, Sunday evening into uh, Monday morning, we've seen a, a ton of positive action for silver and, and gold. And actually, you know, to some extent, I was expecting this going into Sunday open, which, you know, mind you, oftentimes Sunday evening, you know, the wee hours of the morning and Monday, uh, oftentimes are, are, yes, thinly traded, but, you know, not, you know, empty. I mean, there's, there's, these are just markets that are open in, in Asia and whatnot. This tends to be a time in which precious metals are absolutely smashed to the downside, right? Especially if they've had a positive Friday, which they did. They're just smashed to the downside. In fact, that's sort of what we saw after open. Um, not not smashed, maybe that's too strong of a term, but, but you know, not a whole lot of positive action. However, later on Friday evening, there just so happened to be a 60 Minutes episode yeah people still watch that show um i haven't in a long time uh but it's interesting you know some of the interviews and whatnot and of course the much publicized guest of this episode of 60 minutes on cbs on uh, sunday evening was none other than fed chairman jerome powell and boy did he make news now as i said uh, some of this stuff was leaked going into, I don't know, leaked or if it was pre-released or whatever, going into uh, this this interview, right? Um, and so I was sort of expecting, you know, if Jerome Powell is going to open his mouth right now about stuff, um, especially to the broader audience, you know, of, of the United States or the world, then, yeah, he's, he's probably going to say some pretty dovish stuff. And, and he did. In fact, you know, he's, he's talking about, let's see here, having... Uh, you know, basically as much ammunition as they, they uh, here I have, uh, there's a lot more we can do. This is a quote. We've done what we can as we go, but I will say we're not out of ammunition by a long shot. Continuing on, uh, the host Scott Pelley says, quote, fair to say you simply flooded the system with money. He's referring to, you know, what they've done over the past few months. Jerome Powell, yes, we did. That's another way to think about it. We did. Scott Pelley, where does it come from? Do you just print it? Jerome Powell, we print it digitally. So we, you know, we as a central bank, we have the ability to create money digitally and we do that by buying treasury bills or bonds or other government guaranteed securities and that actually increases the money supply. We also print actual currency and we distribute that through the Federal Reserve Banks, right? And again, I didn't watch this whole interview. Uh, That's just... uh, that's just a bit of it. And, 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 you know, as I said, he's saying some dovish stuff. And so, lo and behold, we get a very um, positive price action in the precious metals markets until, you know, this morning. I'll get to that as well. Um, but gold 
up pretty significantly. You know, from the open on Sunday evening or the close on Friday, whatever you want to work off of, you know, up you know, fifteen dollars. You know, uh, up to uh, you know the mid seventeen hundred and sixty dollar range. Uh, seventeen sixty four, I think, was the top in the in the spot gold market. I, I think futures might have gotten higher, but that was a spot. Um, and then silver uh, continues to outperform, right? It had opened, you know, just north of of sixteen, you know, fifty one, sixteen sixty. Um, it was as high as over seventeen dollars and fifty cents. Now this morning, on on absolutely no news, at roughly you know at what eight thirty Eastern time, the, the markets were hammered to the downside. Um, silver dropped. Let's see here, from about its high, you know, all the way down to you know seventeen twenty five, you know, so twenty five thirty cents. Um, and then gold was also hammered pretty significantly from about 1764 um, all the way down to 1754, right? For on really no news, just killed the momentum. Um, very similar to what we oftentimes see on a Sunday evening or early, early Monday morning. However, I think it's still a strong, strong start to the week. They're both up, you know, heading into the to the U.S. market open today, and furthermore. The uh, gold to silver ratio continues to drop. In fact, as I speak, it's sitting around just shy of 102. It was actually slightly below 101 at one point in time. So that's a that's a big deal as well. That gold to silver ratio moving um, to the downside. It wasn't that long ago that was you know north of 110. Uh, that that move that it's made so far has has been a really fast move. You know, in a, in a couple days. And, uh, and is encouraging for silver to see silver moving so quickly. Now, that's kind of the minutia of, of 12 hours or less, uh, maybe a little more than 12 hours in the market space. Why this is important is not just the price action because, yes, it can give up those gains in, in a matter of minutes. We, we know these markets are um, finicky and, yeah, manipulated. Um, and, and, yeah, they can give up those gains very quickly, especially if they were gained in the overnight hours. In fact, you know, not that long ago, uh, I had actually seen a tweet. It was from uh, James Anderson uh, over at, at SD Bullion. And what it showed, I, I want to see if I can find it here. Um, what it showed was the price of gold in what it would be if if markets were only open during... Um, like Western trading hours. I think this was, I'm assuming this would be like European and US mostly. Or what would the price of gold be if gold markets were only open on on like Eastern hours, like China and, and Japan and Korea, etc. Yeah, and after taking some time looking for it on his Twitter, it was unsuccessful. But the point of it was that, you know, if markets were only open overnight, or if you only look at the price action, you know, in our overnight here in, in the United States, uh, it's it's incredibly positive for gold. I don't remember exactly what the price was, but it was crazy, crazy high. Now, obviously, you know, if it had gone up that high, even investors in China at some point would be like, well, you know, this is a little overvalued. Maybe we'll start selling. But But then you look at, you know, what the price action had done uh, 
during the day when when you know U.S. and maybe some European traders were likely to be more active in in trading slash maybe manipulating the market. Dare I say? And and it's it's, it's polar opposite. It's not not a pretty chart whatsoever, right? But but again, going back to you know these Jerome Powell comments, um, this is stuff that we've known for a while. Now, granted, along the way. I'm talking not not just in the last couple of months. I'm talking the last couple of years. Along the way, he's said things that some people might point at and say, look, you guys are wrong. This Jerome Powell guy, he's a straight shooter. He's not nearly as dovish as you guys may think. Right? And and I'm sure you know, if you can go back, you can find very similar statements or you know, periods of months of, of statements even by Janet Yellen or, or Ben Bernanke or Alan Greenspan that would say kind of the same thing, that this person is not cut, cut from the same cloth as other you know, very dovish central bankers and, and that he's a straight shooter and that he's not looking to go negative interest rates. He's not looking to create a Fed balance sheet that is, you know, $15 trillion or whatever. And, and yet his actions, which is important, I mean, Look, the Fed and they're talking, they use that as a policy tool, right? Verbal tightening or verbal loosening of their policy. But what the Fed actually does is what actually matters. Before this coronavirus crisis, right? During the Jerome Powell administration, we'd already seen the Fed um, quit their quantitative tightening prematurely, right? We'd seen them end their rate cut cycle prematurely. Those are two dovish things. Like, yeah, they did tighten the, you know, they did reduce the balance sheet somewhat. They did raise rates somewhat. But it was nowhere near, you know, the norm, back to to normal. And then we saw uh, this whole repo market madness beginning in, in, what, like September of, of 2019, right? And the Fed injected, you know, tons, billions, hundreds of billions of dollars into these short-term funding markets. And this was all predating, you know, COVID-19, you know, mattering on a global economic and financial scale. And then this begins and you see the Fed um, print, you know, two, two, you know, going on probably $3 trillion in the span of a few months, right? And cut rates to zero, right? And so at some point, it, 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 what matters is what this guy says, you know, it, it's akin to, to, you know, a politician saying something like, you know, we'll, we'll take care of our national debt. We're going to find a way to get out of it or to, to get, you know, <laughs> people that, that own our bonds to accept less money or, or we're going to, you know, find some way out of it. But then, you know, during that president's administration, we see debt absolutely balloon from, what, $19 trillion to $25 trillion and counting right? It's, um, it's more so, well, we have to watch what they actually do. But when you have one actually talking dovish and acting dovish at the same time, yeah, markets are going to move on that, right? Um, now, another really interesting thing. So, so I mean, this is, this is continued upside for precious metals with, with the Fed on this, you know, loosening track. They are far, far from over, partly because Hey, the U.S. economy is far, far from over in terms of experiencing its downside. You know, the depths 
in terms of, you know, if we're going to use unemployment as an indicator or just, you know, pure GDP, we may have surpassed the depths of, of this you know, recession or depression. But that doesn't mean, you know, as many people have said, it's going to be a V-shaped recovery, right? I mean, what's, what's worse? Um, 25, you know, 30 million people out of work for two months? Or 10 million people or 5 million people, you know, additional people out of work for five years? And what's worse of those? Obviously, the five-year, the long-duration, slowdown recession, that's going to be much worse and much more damaging, right? So we're far from out of the woods on this. As I've said in many past podcasts, there's still several, um, I think, events that have to happen along the way that will necessitate more federal government and Federal Reserve action. I'm talking... A state and city and county bailout, um, potentially including the, the bailout of the pensions that are that are run by those entities. Um, we're likely to have probably I don't know an infrastructure bill get thrown in there. You know we have this Heroes Act, which is a three trillion dollar behemoth that just got moved to the Senate. Probably won't pass right now, um, but you know I expect another aid bill at least. Uh, you know that will be at least a trillion dollars before this is all said and done. That will, you know, follow a similar blueprint to to this Heroes Act or to to the CARE Act. You know, uh, more bailouts for small businesses. Eventually, large banks, which are really suffering. You know, poor fellas, uh, they're likely to need a large bailout. Other um, other large corporations as well, not necessarily financial. And and then you have, you know. Commercial real estate, uh, which which may potentially need a bailout from from the Fed, from the federal government, I and mean, we'll see. You know, there's there's several other you know ma- major spending projects, and then you can add to that the cost of unemployment, the cost of of decreased tax revenues. Right, I mean that 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 alone is also going to add to the deficit. You know, there was this recent article over on Zero Edge. Uh, titled uh, Goldman spots a huge problem for the Fed. And they're talking about the Fed's, well, basically the, the point of it was that, yes, the Fed has monetized an incredible amount of debt, but they're going to have to monetize much more in the coming months, most likely. And they'll need some pretense to do it because the U.S. government is just that deep in debt. And and we're in this weird situation where, well, I don't know if you'd call it weird at all, um, during the you know corona crisis if you want to call it that and i don't think we're out of that situation yet by any means but but back in march we'll say which in terms of market volatility was sort of the peak thus far uh we had this obviously this massive increase in debt down the uh, down the road at some point but then also you had foreign entities selling off a lot of their treasury holdings you know, I think a lot of this was was investors that were dumping their holdings. Um, some of it might have been uh, central banks, but the point of it was that you know it was a liquidity crunch, and they sold a lot of U.S. bonds, hundreds of trillions. I think was the net amount of selling that occurred in in the span of one month, hundreds of billions. And then you add to that a ton of new issuance, then and and continuing you know to this point by the U.S. government. 
and, and the Fed has been monetizing a lot of that. But it hasn't been enough, that's the point of this article, that they're going to have to find some pretense or whatever. But I believe that's the point of this article, or at least that's what I got from it, and that's what I believe is going to happen, that they're going to have to continue to to monetize more and more debt. I mean, right now they're doing, I think, five or six billion dollars worth of, of treasury bonds a day, never mind mortgage-backed securities, which I, I do want to talk about here in a second. But, but you know, a couple billion a day, which is a big deal, but it's not enough. And, and something to keep in mind that at this point, I mean, with the foreign market demand just not being there, certainly domestic market demand, excluding the Federal Reserve, um, just not being there for treasury bonds, not nearly high enough demand to soak up this massive supply, you know, every additional unexpected addition to the U.S. federal government deficit this year is likely to necessitate uh, easing from the Federal Reserve. So what I mean by that is, is, you know, there's a projection at this point of what the deficit is going to be. And what the Fed is printing right now likely won't be enough to cover that deficit. They're, they're going to have to continue to print, continue their QE, and maybe ramp it back up again. They'll just probably need a pretense for it. However, what the projections are for the deficit are probably going to fall short. Not just because of a lack of, of, of revenue. You know, their, their revenue projections might be you know fairly close at this point. They might be low meaning that deficit might actually be a little higher. But there's undoubtedly going to be more spending. A lot of spendy spending in the, in the coming months, coming, you know, 6, 12 months, including some of those things I talked about, bailouts for states, um, you know, pension fund bailouts, infrastructure bills, uh, maybe another stimulus package, bailouts for hospitals, or banks, for large corporations, maybe commercial real estate, etc. And that's hundreds, that's likely trillions more. And, and what that means is that, you know, you already have a massive deficit, you're adding on to that, and that's bad enough, but guess what? Unless you want the whole treasury bond market to likely, you know, fall apart, to, to collapse to the downside and the yields move up, somebody's got to buy that debt. And it's going to be the Fed. Right? So, so next time you see a, a trillion dollar package pass or $500 billion or whatever, that's another $500 billion that the Fed is likely to have to print before this is all said and done. Not have to. I mean, I'm talking in these have to terms. From their point of view, it's, it's a necessity. But from our point of view, it's, it's foolishness. But you know, different points of view here. That's ultimately what's going to happen, though. You look at the deficit projections, add another one, two, three trillion, whatever you think is ultimately come about because of decreased revenue, prolonged decreased revenue, and because of, of uh, new spending projects, and the Fed's going to have to monetize that. I mean, imagine being a Fed member or being Jerome Powell himself, who maybe deep down inside doesn't want to be this dovish, even though we know he's going to have to be. He doesn't want to be this accommodative. And and here Nancy Pelosi comes along with a $3 trillion spending package on top of everything that's come through Congress and, and whatnot so far. And, you know, he, he's probably pretty happy that the Senate and Trump are maybe not a fan of it right now. But, but mark my words when I say that something will happen. I mean, hey, we're in an election year. Do you honestly think... 
that the CARES Act is going to be it from the federal government in terms of you know, helping the small, you know, small businesses and the people of the United States. No, undoubtedly we're going to get more. We're going to get another one of those types of packages. You know, probably eventually at some point some sort of infrastructure spending, right? Let's create some jobs the best way we know how. You know, who knows? Maybe they're going to you know, throw in a package of spending for the, for the military in there as well. And, and then, yeah, the big bailouts as well because there's no way that in an election year they're going to do these big bank bailouts, big corporation bailouts, unless they wait till after the election. There's no way they're going to do those without an additional bailout for, for Main Street, Right, so it's it's coming, and, and and you know the Fed is going to have to sort of not foot that bill; they're going to have to print it, or as as he says, print it digitally. And, and imagine, you know that how work that into your you know projections right now. You know, there's you know as the Fed balance sheet moves up to seven trillion dollars, roughly speaking. Um, you know, there's projections of where it's going to head. Basically, the most, I think, mainstream projections would say that, hey, the Fed balance sheet, they're tapering their QE. Yeah, they're at a fast pace right now, I think. It, it just treasury bonds, $5 trillion, I think, a week. You know, so $25 trillion a week. You know, you multiply that out by, by uh, you know, 52 weeks, and you end up with what? You end up with, uh, somebody help me with the math here. trillion, I think, just in treasury bonds over a year, which is a lot. But, you know, you could say, well, they're going to taper it more. And maybe, you know, in the next year, they're going to, they're going to buy half of that overall in in treasury bonds and then mortgage-backed securities on top of that, right? So maybe a trillion, maybe a little more than that over the next year. Well, factor into that, A, all this additional spending that's going to have to be funded somehow, ultimately by the Fed. And then factor into that also, um, the likelihood of another market volatility period slash financial you know, crisis because of the coming bankruptcies, defaults, really poor earnings, potentially another crash in the stock market. You know, factor that in and, and the, the way that that influences the Fed into you know, potentially printing more money. And what you end up with is a Fed that's going to likely uh, be, be very accommodative and and. You know, we're not looking at a $1 trillion expansion over the next year. We might be looking at something like, you know, $4 trillion, if not more. Anyways, moving on, though, the, the final thing I want to talk about was actually the Fed balance sheet. Now, something sort of interesting happened this past week, and I haven't seen that whole lot of people talking about it. So the, the Fed balance sheet, you know, each week they, and I'll have to find it here, they they release a statement talking about well, basically the the adjustments to their balance sheet in the last week. What have they bought? What have they sold? Etc. It's called their I want to say H dot four dot one filing, and I'll and I'll find it here for you real quickly. But what was interesting about it? Yeah, H dot four dot one factors affecting reserve balances. What was interesting about it was the fact that. In the last week, there was a really significant increase in the size of their mortgage-backed security holdings, actually, to the tune of, and I want to make sure I get this right, 
But if I remember correctly, it was to the tune of, I want to say, like over $170 billion in a single week that they that they bought. And it, I mean, I don't want to say a whole lot more about it than that, other than, I mean, this is yeah, fitting the trend. But but it, it was um, it was curious, to say the least. Yeah, 178, over 178 billion is what they show in, you know, added to their mortgage-backed securities in the last week. It was curious, I guess. Not, mostly because not a whole lot of people were talking about it. But $187 billion in mortgage-backed securities in one week is a lot. And maybe they had talked about it. Maybe they had scheduled it. But, but I mean, there's a lot of focus on the treasury market. And again, the U.S. treasury market is maybe the most important market in the world. You know, arguably more important than the dollar, than gold, than silver, than precious metals. Or, or sorry, the, the stock market equities. But mortgage-backed securities, I mean, if the Fed is going to buy on an additional $187 billion, $187, $178 billion worth in a single week, not to say that, that trend is going to continue indefinitely, but it is still the Fed monetizing more debt. And it is the Fed, you know, providing a ton of liquidity, a ton of support to the system, albeit through a less often watched, um, I guess, channel, you know. So I, I, I found it interesting, I guess. And, and I mean, if it's a trend, I, I guess I can't extrapolate a whole lot more than that other than to say maybe, you know, there's maybe the Fed sensed some um, unease. Maybe they sensed some instability in the market and, and they wanted to, you know, I don't know, maybe a, a big bank, maybe somebody came to them and said, look, we need to, we need you guys to, to buy a lot of this debt because, uh, you know, because we find it too risky or whatever. We'd rather keep that money on our, um, you know, keep it at the Fed or what have you. I, I don't know. I don't know ultimately why they bought so much in the span of one week. I mean, again, for context, they bought far less, less than $50 billion worth. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head of treasuries in the last week. So I don't know what the discrepancy was. I don't know why they did that, but but it's something interesting. That something I thought I'd fill you guys in on, and, and we'll see if it you know amounts to anything. But if nothing else, it's a it's almost two hundred billion, you know, one hundred seventy eight billion dollars added to their balance sheet that wasn't there the week prior. But anyways, um, as always, I'd like to thank every one of you for tuning in to today's podcast. For those of you on YouTube, just a quick reminder that I am on uh, most major podcasts. If you're most major podcast platforms, you know, Apple, Spotify, and, and Google Podcasts, and, and Stitcher, and all of those. If you want to tune in over there, I'd very much appreciate that. But as always, I'm just happy to have every one of you here in the first place. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in, and God bless.